Hey, and welcome back to another episode of Biker Chick Chat. I'm your host, Biker Bethany, and I'm on a mission to find female riders from all over the planet to find out their stories about how they got into the motorcycle world. And on today's episode, I'm joined by Taylor Dresler from California. She is the promoter and owner of Fast Babes, a female biking club. It's pretty cool, actually, what they're getting up to over there. And she's also a pretty good rider herself, on and off-road, I might add. Let's jump straight in and see what she's got to say. Hey, Taylor. Hi, how are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you? I'm doing good. Good. Welcome to my podcast. Awesome. I'm so excited. Oh, I'm really excited for you to be here. When I saw that you've got your own clothing company and all aimed at female riders, I was like, I've got to get her on the show. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's it's been an adventure. Fast Babes is kind of a passion project, but uh, it's been growing a lot lately and I'm just trying to keep up with it. Sure. That's great that you're getting some growth on it. Mm Mm-hmm. So what's uh, what's the deal with it? Like, how did you come about starting it and everything? Yeah. Um, so Fast Babes, I think, officially has been a thing for about a year and a half now. Um, probably unofficially a thing about a year before that. So um, I've ridden with a lot of local girls riding groups. And um, I don't know, I feel like they were all not necessarily like clicky, but they all stayed in their groups and they, they didn't really like merge together or do anything as a whole. Um, and so, you know, as someone that, that travels a lot and rides a lot, um, I just started riding with different groups and I would go to another city and go to their meetup. And, um, there was this like weird perception of like, Oh, but like you're from there. So why don't you ride with them only? Um, so I wanted to create this kind of like very inclusive, um, space where I could have events and build a brand around it um, that was not glued to any one location. So I've done rides in Texas. I'm trying to do a ride in Florida later this year. Um, I'm based in Southern California, but I'm trying to not keep it glued to Southern California. Um, but yeah, we we do riding events, mainly uh, group riding events. Um, so we have the annual Galentine's ride coming up. This will be the third year we've done it. And it's really cool because it's usually the weekend before Valentine's Day, just kind of a a brunch type ride. Um, I ask girls from wherever to lead rides to the event. So if you have a friends group that you want to bring, if you're a really welcoming person and you just want to post the gas station you're starting at and you're cool with other new girls showing up and riding with you that could be complete strangers. Um, And then we all end up at one destination for brunch and hang out um yeah and uh it's been it's grown I think the first year was like 40 girls and I was like impressed that that many people showed up and then last year we had I think about 80 girls RSVP and a few extra showed up on top of that and then this year um I've been checking like the RSVP list and we're already at like 75 with a couple weeks to go so it's really cool um I get DMs all the time like you know the girls are really excited that they have the opportunity to lead a ride where they're going to meet other girls that came from a neighboring city or a completely different area um, and just kind of like a giant networking event. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that so much. Yeah. It's like, that's the thing, isn't it? There's not much 
of that kind of thing going on where you can actually link all girls up together and like go and do these rides and stuff mm-hmm. it, it's really hard so mm-hmm. I totally respect what you're doing that's awesome yeah thanks yeah I think my goal with it is you know, there's a lot of other riding groups out there and I would rather include them and like strengthen numbers so I feel like sometimes there's like this well, you know, I'm in this group, but that's a Fast Babes event. Like, I don't know if I can go. And it's like, no, like, bring your whole group and we can all meet and hang out. And then you can go back and do your stuff, too. But um, I like trying to plan these larger meetups um, where the groups can kind of merge together and, like, break down the walls. Yeah, for sure. So in your previous experiences, then, have you found that people in different states and areas they want to keep within like their own little group or yeah um it's funny you ask that because I actually did a a cross-country trip uh during COVID so I was working full-time COVID happened I was working for a company managing events and so all the events went away so I was furloughed for about four months and I went on a two-month cross-country motorcycle trip kind of very like unplanned unscripted I had like the first two weeks planned and then I stayed on the road for two months. But while traveling, I tried to link up with as many groups as I could. Um, I think because it was so unplanned, it was a little hard uh, because I was like DMing girls like, I'm going to be in this town tomorrow if you are available or want to hang out. Um, And so, I mean, I think a little more planning and I could have probably met more women and done more things. But Um, I did have the chance to ride with, like, for example, the Atlanta Litas. They were so welcoming. They had a ride going on on the Saturday that I was in town. They were like, come join us. You can ride with us. I think there was probably like 25 girls there. And then they ended at like a local dealership for a bigger event. But they were so welcoming and so nice. So it's like, that's that's what I strive for. However, I've, I've seen it flipped where... Uh, there was like a couple groups where I like DM'd them and they're like, well, we have our own thing going on. And it's like, it's not really open to everyone. Um, really? Yeah. I'm so, so surprised to hear that. Cause it's like, this is actually sort of, there's been the odd time where I've heard certain groups can be a little bit clicky. Like, um, for example, like chopper groups in, a, mm-hmm. in the UK, it seems to be a bit of a choppers or, you're not in sort of thing there's a bit of a clickiness with that yeah but with just like girls and riding and, and Harley's all like the bike community in general I've not really heard of it being like that so I'm so surprised I, I mean I think it's really like whoever is kind of leading the group like their their personal preference um I feel kind of like drives the uh the voice for the whole group which is is kind of unfortunate so that's like something I've noticed and then Uh, Like personally, when it comes to fast babes, like I don't self promote. I don't, I don't want anyone to know like that I am in charge or it's my event because I don't even look at it that way. There are so many times where uh, we'll do a meetup and girls just kind of like assume like, oh, so Taylor's leading. And I would never like expect someone to lead if they're not comfortable doing it. But if I know someone that is comfortable doing it, I'll be like, nope, actually, Jessica's leading. She's in charge today Um, because I don't want it to be one person as like the face of the brand or or she's in charge. It's her thing, whatever she wants. Um, So I try and stay out of it like enough to where I can keep it going. And um, obviously I promote it and everything. So I think people have started to put the pieces together, but there's been 
countless times where I will be at a local like co-ed bike night and someone walk up to me and ask me if I'm going on the ride, the Fast Babes ride on Saturday. And I'm like, yeah, I might be there. I'm thinking about it Um, (laughs) kind of thing. So I, I try and like not let my opinions or how I feel ever get in the way of it, whether it's, you know, if I, you know, personally don't vibe with someone, I'm never going to tell them that they can't come. It's not my place. I'm not going to put up the barriers around it. I try and be as inclusive as possible while keeping it safe. So um, I think that's a lot of it is sometimes if whoever is, is organizing it, if they're, if they want an exclusive feel, then that's what the whole get, the whole group gets. So, yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I, I actually get what you mean there because I suppose you want it to be like fully inclusive and you don't want anyone to not come because they're thinking like, oh, th- she's in charge or that group, like, and then her friends are, are to do with it. Or, and then sometimes I guess if there's any old beef or someone, like you say, mm-hmm. if you just don't click with someone, that could put someone off coming, couldn't it? So, yeah, I get that. Yeah, and I, I think especially, like, when you get, like, large groups of women together, like, there's always, like, there's politics and everything, there's drama and everything, and so if I can put, like, my personal stuff aside at the event or just leading into it, I try and do that as much as I can, um, and even when people come to me and, and I've heard comments like, you invited so-and-so, and it's like, I invited everyone. So like, yep, they're here, I guess, and and we'll deal with it. And if you don't like them, you don't have to stand right next to them. And there's enough people here that you can do your own thing and and kind of have that mentality for it. Yeah, I I really love that, actually. And also, like you say, it's like if there's such a big group of people, if there's, you know, one person or a few people you don't totally vibe with, well, if there's, you know, 80 or more girls there, mm-hmm. just don't chat to those few. There's plenty more people to talk to, right? Exactly, yeah. But, yeah, that's cool. So are you trying to, like, get round to all the different states and, like, to drum up more attention and get more people involved and stuff? Yeah, definitely. So I this has grown in Southern California. I get comments all the time that, you know, I would love if something like this came to my area and – I've been spending probably the last six months building a plan to kind of expand it. And um, it's something that is in the works and it's not 100% yet. So I don't want to say too much, but um, I'm really proud of where it's going. There's like certain core values that are very important to me and to Fast Babes. I think that obviously like the culture of women who ride motorcycles and like strength in numbers and being able to network and, and meet other women that ride is like top priority. However, I personally feel like the the brand differs in the sense that it's not about fashion and it's not about Instagram and followers and or anything like that. Um, it's I think the second most important thing is probably like safety and rider development. So that's a huge thing for me. And that's a part of if you want to uh, kind of be a ride captain with Fast Babes, like I want to know that you've taken a first aid class or you've taken a riding class and you feel that you can lead people and in like in a situation um, respond to it correctly. Because I feel like sometimes there are people that that lead groups and then something happens and everybody turns to them in a moment of panic and they're just not prepared. And, and I want to make sure that in situations when there are like large events that people are 
riding safely and following like certain protocols um, versus, you know, doing it for the gram and like, we're just here to take photos kind of thing. So that's a huge part of it. And so I've been working really hard. I have some really great like mentors that I work with and um, we've kind of, we've kind of already initiated some things um, and we're just kind of putting the piece, the final pieces together. But um, last year we actually held a uh, women's um, rider safety initiative. So we, well, when I say we, myself and uh, this non local nonprofit called Moto Fam that a really good friend of mine named Mitch runs, she, she stepped up and she offered to fund 12 women taking a riding class, but not just the beginner get your license riding class. It was the intermediate riding class, which you have to do on your own bike. It's, it's one day and it's kind of a really amplified, like turned up volume of the, of the main class. So you're going from 60 to a complete stop as opposed to like 35 and a complete stop and, and actually putting your skills to, to the test. And so that was such a big step for Fast Babes, I think, to kind of differentiate from other riding groups um, because it showed that like safety is important and being a very skilled rider is important. Um, and not just going out and, and putting around, but being able to, I mean, especially like we lane split here in California and accidents happen all the time. And it's just like another statistic at this point, like when I, you hear about accidents and and it's hard to be a part of. And so it's like, I would rather do something about that. Yeah. Um, and, and step yeah. up and, and, and provide an opportunity for, you know, women to, you've got your license, you did all the basics, congratulations. Like, okay, let's like really test your skills and learn something. And it was such an honor to organize it and facilitate everything because I was a little hesitant that, women might not be interested in doing that, that, you know, they, they have their license and that's enough and they go ride with their, you know, husband or their friend on the weekend and that's it. And I hear about a lot of women that, oh, I rode when I was younger, I had kids and now I'm getting back into it and I'm just kind of rusty, but I'm, I'm just going for it because I remember how to do it. Um, so I was, I was really curious, like how the, the program would be received. And it was, really cool to see how many women applied. There was an application process. It's basically like a scholarship that was awarded if you met all the criteria. And uh, going into it, when she told me she wanted to pay for the whole class, I was like, 12 people is a lot of people to get to commit to something like this. Yeah. And then within two weeks of announcing it, we had 75 women signed up and filled out the application and were fully qualified. So then we had to turn around and be like, okay, now we need to go through this and actually like select the people. And it was, it was mostly at random. Um, but then there were, were quite a few women that it, it was based off of their response. Why do you want to take the class? And there were, you know, some women that wrote like these super long explanations. You know, I had a friend that was in an accident and I didn't feel prepared and, or I myself was, you know, had a close call and I've always wanted to learn to do this better. Um, and so that was such a cool thing to be a part of. And then watching them ride their own bikes. Uh, one of my friends had recently upgraded to like a, a bigger bike and was very nervous about doing it. And um, she ended up like towards the end of the day, I was watching her like weave cones at like 40 miles per hour on this bagger. Like it was no big deal. That's awesome. Yeah. So it's now and I see them out and about riding and 
I, I think I only knew like a couple of the girls that actually took the class, but I've run into some of the other girls at other rides. And they, the number one thing they say is like, I feel so much more confident now. Like I feel like I'm in control. I'm not like nervous about the things around me. Like I know I have the skills to do what I need to do in an emergency situation. So that was yeah. such a really a cool thing. And I was excited to put all the pieces together because it, it was hard to logistically do it. It had to be like a state accredited course. Um, which they don't really want to open their class up to something like this because their classes are usually always full as is. So kind of putting all the pieces together logistically was hard, but it worked out. And the the local like organization actually asked us to come back. Um, I guess the, the lady that runs it said that was the first time they've had an all-female class. And she showed up on the day of the class, like surprised that all 12 girls showed up and they were all excited to be there. Um, and so moving forward, I think we'll be able to do this more often. So it was really cool to kind of like break down that wall and have that access. Yeah, that's super cool. Like, do you know what? It's so important to just like so many people talk about this where, you know, just because you've been riding for a long time or not a long time, like whatever, there's always room for improvement as well, isn't mm-hmm. there? And especially like your friend going up to a bagger, she's never rode that before. Like I've not rode a bagger before and I would be nervous to do so. Like I do want to, it's like a an aim, a dream of mine, like to get on a bagger one day, but I would definitely want to be hitting up some courses or something like that. I guess as well, just to have someone say, hey, do you know what? Like, you're capable of this. You Mm -hmm. can do this. And, like, just run, like, home in on your skills just so you can tell yourself, yeah, I've got this. I can do this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One of my, like, closest friends that I feel like I um, learned the most from, she's, like, that that wise friend, Um, She her comment she always gets is uh, when people ask her, like, how long have you been riding? She's she her response is always how many why don't you ask you ask me how many miles I have on or how many miles I've ridden because there are some people that have ridden for five years that have ridden 50,000 miles a year every year they commute on their bike they travel all the time and then there are people that I meet that have been riding for 20 years and they might go out a handful of times a year and this it's it's so different and you really develop your skill when you're riding Um, I think instruction and understanding um, the why you do certain things when you ride. So when you take the course, you have a classroom portion and they're explaining things to you about traction and and leaning and and your body angle and how your weight affects your traction. And that's that's super important. But until you try it and it clicks while you're riding, it's just somebody telling you something. Um, so I think, you know, getting the experience and the more you ride, the better you get. Um, I've actually only been riding on the street for, I think, three or four years now. And, and people comment, especially like guys all the time, like, you're actually not a bad rider. And um, I always get like slightly offended by that comment because uh, I have to like, remind myself that they're just a dumb boy but uh it's always like compared to what like compared to you or compared to other women you've seen ride like what are you basing this off of um like why is this a surprising thing for you um yeah and so I always kind of like laugh when that happens uh when that comment gets made but usually they'll be like how long have you been riding and I'll say oh you know three or four years and um they'll be like 
how many miles you have on that bike? And when I'm like, oh, I have 55,000 miles on this bike in the last year and a half. They're like, oh, okay. That makes more sense then. So it's, yeah, it's really like seat time. Like when you push your limits and you go on a solo trip or you go on a, you know, your first long trip and you ride, you know, your first 500 plus mile day, like you're going to learn so much that day and reflect on it later as opposed to, you know, if you've only done like day trips somewhere. So, um, yeah, yeah, it's like one of those things where the more you ride, the more you do it, the more it all just like falls together and it's just second nature. Yeah, that is so true. What are you riding at the moment? So I have a a 2020 Lowrider S. I bought it. I had a Sportster. That was my first street motorcycle. Um, And then I had that for about a year and a half. And then I upgraded to a 2020 Lowrider S. Uh, like right before COVID happened. And I really kind of like randomly decided that year I have a new bike. I'm going to, I want to ride at least 20,000 miles this year. And it was like kind of this ambiguous goal that I threw out there and then COVID happened and I wasn't working and I got really tired of being at home. And so I packed up and I went on this like two month motorcycle camping trip, staying at different campgrounds, visiting different national parks and And I'm so glad that I had that particular bike because if I had my Sportster, I don't know if I would have felt as confident riding cross country on it with a smaller tank. And I had kind of already made certain upgrades to that bike to start traveling with on it. And it just like everything aligned. And, um, and I still have that bike, but I actually recently bought another Sportster. Um, yeah, so, um, I'm building it as a project bike for fast babes. Um, it's something that I've wanted to do for the last two years. Um, I feel like I kind of, uh, I go to events and I have a lot of women that they are like, oh, you know, you're on like such a big bike. Like I'm just on a Sportster. And I'm like, don't say that. Like my Sportster was fast. There are girls that just rode here with me that were faster than me on their Sportster. Like it has nothing to do with that. So I bought this, this bike to kind of build it as like the ultimate chick performance like sportster and kind of prove that it's like yeah it's a it's a girl's bike but it's cool (laughs) that's awesome I love that and yeah and and because that is the thing as well sportsters can be kind of related to the girl one or but really most people when they get into Harleys whether you're a man or a woman typically you would get a sportster first because mm-hmm. if you're not used to that bigger bike then it's the smallest of the biggest bikes isn't yeah it? yeah no for sure when I went to to go look at this bike it was like a Thursday night kind of after work late and um the guy's like oh do you want to like sit on it and I was like in my mind I'm thinking like oh, yeah I, sh- I should probably do that like I'm purchasing this motorcycle like, used I should probably like you know, ride it around or do something. And I hadn't ridden a Sportster since I traded mine in. Um, I've ridden my Lowrider S. I've ridden the new um, ST. I've ridden a, a Road Glide ever since, but I haven't gotten back on a Sportster. And I actually, when I went to take it off the side stand, I was like, oh, that's so much easier. And I was like, I kind of missed this. This is really nice. Um, and even just like maneuvering it around and I was moving it to load it up into my truck. Um, it's such a light and the weight is different on it. It's definitely like a little bit more top heavy, um, than, than other models. And, um, I'm excited to actually build it up and ride it because I feel like it's like a perfect 
around town bike. You can definitely do long trips on it. I have some girlfriends that do trips on Sportsters. One of them is Jessica Sinclair. She has, she's done like multiple cross country trips on a Sportster. It's like completely doable. Um, I like my fairing. I like having all these other things on the, my bike set up now. So I, I'll probably yeah. stick with that, but it's a great, like quick around town bike and it's a great starter bike. There's nothing wrong with it. And there's no reason to sell it. Like selling your bike and getting a new bike will not make you a better rider. I feel like I hear that all the time. Like the girls are like, well, you're probably a good rider because you're on that bike. I'm on a sportster. So here I, I'm new and I'm, this is me, but it's like getting a new bike is not going to make you a better rider. Yeah. And, uh, cool. and so that's kind of my point with this is like, uh, going back to building a sports store and going back to that and doing having the same riding ability on that bike like it's no different yeah yeah that's so true actually and I see you're into riding other bikes as well I actually found I wanted you to explain a, a picture from Instagram for me because okay. uh, I found it super cool that you also ride other bikes too i mean there was a few really cool ones but this one just caught my eye in particular oh yeah that was um from the Biltwell race last year so there's a a race that happened in ridgecrest which is about four hours north of here so it's kind of in in between southern california and mammoth up the 395 it's a race that a company called Biltwell, which is kind of known everywhere um, yeah. in in like the street scene. They uh, they put on this off-road desert race and it's 100 miles. It's the Biltwell 100. And uh, last year I actually did all 100 miles. The first year I did, I think two or three laps, which each lap is 25 miles long. Um, and last year I did the full 100 miles and it was so much fun. Um, I grew up riding off-road. So I would say that that is actually like, my true, true passion is riding off-road. Um, however, I'm from Georgia. I'm from the East Coast. And um, the off-road riding there is nothing like the off-road riding here in California. So I've definitely had to adapt. Um, growing up, my dad raced. He still rides. He's got multiple bikes still. He restores bikes he still races actually. So I feel like that's probably where my passion for motorcycles came from was from him. Um, because he, he, he didn't really like push me into it, but he was into it. And I think he was, I was an only child and I was a daughter and uh, he always jokes around that I'm the son he never had because I was kind of into all the like boy things. Like I liked hockey and I liked hanging out in the garage and I liked riding dirt bikes and like, I had horses growing up and I like being like in the barn dirty and like I just wasn't into like ballet or like any sort of like other things and um and so you know he really got me into it and he he encouraged me through it and uh we raced together for a while at local races um and he really instilled that you know if you want to race and you want to compete it's really important to have a skill set you can't just show up and expect to win you can't just show up and expect to do better than you did the weekend before. So when it became a competitive thing for me, uh, he really encouraged me and gave me a lot of opportunities to attend riding schools. So I've done like the Gary Bailey school, the Jason Rain school, they're like famous, like motocross off-road riding schools. And I think that's translated into my 
uh, desire to develop fundamentally as a street rider um, because that's how it was for me in the off-road world. But um, yeah, growing up, I raced and um, it was really important that, you know, that I was an independent person that I could do it. Uh, a big rule for my dad was I couldn't go to the track by myself until I could load my bike by myself. Um, so, and like loading a dirt bike, isn't the easiest thing. It's not, nothing like road loading a street bike, but that was important that he knew that if I was going to go to the track with my friends, that I'd be able to load my bike up by myself at the end of the day and not need to ask for help and be able to change my own oil and understand like the basic mechanics of a motorcycle and, and have that understanding. And, and even just when we would trail ride together, I remember being young, like, probably 12 or 13. And, and that's kind of when I got into it. Um, I remember being so mad at him because I would fall on a trail and he would just watch me. He would, he would turn around and he'd say, you got it. Are you good? And he didn't immediately hop off his bike to help me. He would wait a second and, and say, like, encourage me to pick it up myself. And so now I think back on that a lot when I go riding with other girls. Um, we have some events here in Southern California, like Babes in the Dirt. And I'm fortunate enough to be able to lead demo rides for the company I work for. And a lot of the girls, they do the same thing. I see what they, what I did as a newer rider and I hop off my bike and I immediately help them. But when I go to help them, I say, come here, watch what I'm doing. Watch what side I pick it up on. Watch me put the weight on my hip. Now I'm going to push it all the way up and I'm not using all this extra energy to pick the bike up. And I'm like, oh, okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. And they might fall, you know, 10 minutes later and then they'll pick it up themselves. And so I feel like a lot of that was instilled as me as a kid and just being constantly as advancing my riding ability and being independent with it and being able to get myself out of tricky situations and so now that I live in California, um, I'm transitioning into, I guess, like desert riding. That's what everyone does out here. We have Glamis and Ocotillo and, and like Ridgecrest where that race was is very sandy, rocky desert as opposed to Georgia was like mud, trees, leaves on the ground, kind of like the, the forest woods you would think of. And then here it's like cactuses and just wide open <laughs> space. So I grew up being a, a technical rider that could, you know, go between tight trees and and ride in a, a tight off-road environment. And then here it's a wide open, go as fast as you can in the desert. So for the, the Built Well 100, um, the first year I did it, I remember being like terrified at some points of the race, going down some of these like kind of dirt road, desert straightaways that might be a mile or two long and clicking into like fourth and fifth gear on my dirt bike is like not something that you do in like other off-road racing environments. You're normally in a lower gear because it's technical and you're going a little bit slower. But um, yeah, I was just thinking like holding on for dear life, like going as fast as I could down these desert straightaways. And, um, and then going into this past year when I moved up to the women's expert class, um, like same situation, there were some things where I was like, this is like the stupidest thing I've ever done. Like, look, cause my bike is a dual sport. And so I can see my speed and looking down and, and going like 50 to 60 miles an hour on a dirt bike is like, 
not something that I'm used to doing, but that race is so much fun. And I'm really adapting to kind of the off-road racing environment. I did a race two weeks ago, kind of very unexpected local uh, district 37 desert race. It was 80 miles long. It was technical. Um, but I have recently like found my love for, for dirt bikes again. Um, I kind of dropped off, got into the street riding scene, didn't touch my dirt bike for probably two years. And then this past year, I've definitely like, I've decided I want to do like a happy balance of both. Yeah. Oh, that sounds amazing. Yeah. That's so cool. I love that you've been able to transpire like your off-road skills and using it in that way to be able to become like a better road rider as well like it's, mm-hmm. it's almost like one of those things everyone should kind of have a go off road oh yeah just to sort of understand bikes a bit more and stuff like that and different terrains because like even for myself when the last trip that I'd done which was in summer last year and um I was riding around Europe and we come to a road that was being resurfaced, but there was no signs Mm -hmm. that this road was being resurfaced. And it went from tarmac to those little stones, you know, Mm -hmm. like all over the road. And, you know, I was like, oh, my God, you know, just straight away. Like I was going reasonably fast down the road and then just straight onto this gravel and, you know, frightened me. So I was like, straight away, you start like wobbling around a bit and naturally you want to hit the brake don't you and obviously that you're just not what you should do yeah and yeah it's one of those things that I thought well really I should probably get into doing a bit of off-road just to understand different terrains a bit more as well yeah no it's a when I have people that ask me um you know how did you become such a good rider or how did you like get to this point I had such a solid foundation to begin with from riding off-road So I recommend any new rider, if you've never ridden a motorcycle, period, ride a dirt bike first. You can get like a small TTR 125 and like borrow a bike from a friend or something, but go in a field that's open space where there's not cars and have fun with it. Like learn how to use the clutch and learn how to shift gears because any, you know, street motorcycle you get on you know, your, your front brake, clutch, rear brake, and shifter, they're all in the same place 97% of the time, unless you have some sort of modification. And so having that muscle memory, and um, I've noticed like there are times when I ride where I am shifting gears and I'm not even thinking about it. It's the, it's completely second nature. When I come up to a light and the brake application of like front and rear brake, I am not even thinking about it. It's so like just ingrained into my myself that I've done it for so long. Um, even in a situation where, you know, a, a car pulls out in front of you uh, and, you know, you might have to brake hard or, or make a turn really hard or something. And it's just having that second like muscle memory response where you're just doing it before you're even realizing what happens, like has happened to me a few times. And so I feel like dirt's very, it's way more forgiving than the street. In my opinion, as when you're first starting out, you tip over on a dirt bike in a field, you might break your clutch lever, $15 at the parts store to replace, Um, you know, minor things can happen versus, you know, if you're, you know, dropping your, your Harley or your street bike, Like that's an expensive fix and that's something you don't want to continue to do. Whereas get those 
jitters and the and learn how to use a clutch in a safe environment like that. Don't try and do it in a parking lot and then go ride on the street and you're stalling at lights and cars are honking at you and you're putting yourself in danger. It's the safest way you can do it. It's such a, a good way to start. And you might even do it and be like, you know, that's actually fun. I don't really want to do anything more than that. It's not for yeah. me. And then you haven't made this huge investment in a in a street motorcycle or the protective gear and, and all that stuff. And then you decide you don't want to get into it. So I, yeah, I recommend people ride off-road first, at least try it, get the basics down. Um, there's a lot of um, off-road riding schools that will also provide like a motorcycle, um, kind of like the street courses do. So you don't necessarily have to have, have one to do it, yeah. but it is a great starting point because fundamentally it's very, very similar. Um, yeah. and there, there are even times that I catch myself doing things, um, you know, say when I was, when I was on my trip, there was a couple times where you pull into like a national park and the, the pavement ends and it might have a dip and then you're either in like gravel or sand or something weird where, where cars can park, no problem. But a motorcycle is more of a challenge, especially if you have, you know, camping gear and bags in the back and your weights, like it's not the lightest it could be. Um, there were times where. I did things without thinking about it and I realized I was doing it and it was something that I would have done on a dirt bike. So whether it was, you know, I'm pulling back over that lip of pavement and rather than just hitting it fast and going for it, like some people would think to just, you know, get over it, I rolled up to it and I was feathering my clutch to keep my traction over it in like a safe and controlled manner in the same way that if I was on a, a dirt bike going through a rocky section, um, you know, I would pull my clutch in and control myself through it as opposed to just blasting through it. Um, so just even little things like that, you'll start to realize that uh, are transferable and, um, you know, you don't, you don't even realize you do it. You start, you start picking up little skills on both sides and it's, I would highly recommend it. And riding dirt bikes is honestly, it's, it's super fun. It's, I think it's more work in my opinion. A lot of people ask me like, which do you prefer? And when I go on a Saturday ride with the girls on my Harley, I can pull out of my garage. I go, we have lunch. I come back home. I just pull straight back into my garage. I shut my garage and I'm here. And on a dirt bike, there's, you know, you have to load a bike, you have to take it somewhere. You have to suit up in an entirely different outfit when you get there then you're going to ride and then you're going to have to like change and load back up and go back home and then wash it. And so yeah, it's definitely like, there's, like, a, there's a lot physical. more to it. It's not, but it's, like, yeah, it's, it's like rewarding. Physical. Like once, if you love it, it's worth it. Yeah, definitely. And like physically on your body, isn't it? Like what, well, if you're off road, you've really got to manhandle it a bit more and it's all going through your arms and everything, isn't it? Yeah. It's, and when, you're riding a dirt bike, like I stand up a lot and you're really using kind of like your your knees and your legs or your suspension. You have suspension, but you're absorbing a lot of that with your legs and and standing up most of the time. Um, and, and yeah, your body position is forward. Your shoulders are soaking up a lot um, as you go through stuff. And it's, it's pretty physical. Um, I think the reason I've continued to try and do these races here and there is it kind of like keeps me in check and gives me a, a goal to work towards fitness wise. Um, because I don't racing a hundred miles is takes that race. I think it took about like between two and three hours to race the hundred miles. And 
I mean, you're going the entire time. You don't take any breaks. So physically, um, it's, I wouldn't recommend going from like the couch to that, like yeah, having like some fitness like built into it, it's going to make it more enjoyable. And so I think that the dirt bike element keeps me physically fit and, and, uh, like I try and keep my strength up because I do want to be able to pick my bike up. No problem. I can tell when, you know, I'm working out and when I'm seeing, you know, improvements, it's the bike doesn't feel so heavy. Um, and so I think that's like important, but yeah, I think it's dirt bikes can definitely be very physically demanding. Like even this race two weeks ago, uh, I actually wrecked pretty bad. Probably the worst I've wrecked in the last like three years of riding dirt bikes. Um, and like Monday at work, I was just like one giant bruise, but it was, it was fun. It was worth it. I finished the race. I kept telling myself I was going to pull off, um, and just head back to the pits, but I stuck with it and I did the full 80 miles and, uh, it was really rewarding at the end. You get like a little pin, like finisher yeah. pin. And, uh, cool. and so they gave me that and it's like kind of one of those things like, that's all I get. But then at the same time, I was like, no, like I wanted to quit so many times and I didn't. So at least there's yeah. that. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that. Yeah. So I want to ask you a few questions that are not related to this now, but I'll link it back in. Okay. So it's a bit random at first, but I need to know what's your favorite food, your dream destination and your favorite car if you're into cars at all? Okay. Favorite food is probably Lake Tacos. I'm a, yeah. I'm a sucker for like a good street taco. Sure. Um, and then favorite destination. Oh, that's hard. Um, probably like up in the mountains somewhere, like camping, um, like kind of being off the grid whether it's like in a cabin or tent camping, but uh, I kind of like getting away in the trees and like mountains where you can hike. Um, yeah. And then favorite car. I don't know. I've never really been into cars, honestly. I've driven the same truck since college. People give me shit for it, but um, <laughs> it's, I've had it like friends see me and they're like, you, you're still driving that same truck. Um, but yeah, probably just like a, a newer, nicer truck that's not the one I bought in college but yeah I'm not super into cars okay well that one won't that one won't work then but anyway I was gonna do a little game of would you rather okay so what would be your dream bike what what is it the bike you've got now or is there a bike you've always wanted um I mean I've always ever since I've ridden a road glide I've always wanted a road glide I feel like once you have the navigation and the music and hard bags that you can lock. It's really, you just get spoiled. Um, So yeah, probably a road glide. Okay, cool. All right. So what would you rather have a road glide, uh, but never eat tacos again or eat tacos every single day or whenever you like, but you'd never be allowed to ride a road glide? Probably the, the road glide. I'd be in heaven. Yeah. <laughs> I could that was a no-brainer. <laughs> so what about the mountains then? You could go to like your, your favorite spot in the mountains, do your camping and stuff whenever you like, but you couldn't ride there on a glide or you could have your glide, but you'd never be allowed to go to the mountains. 
Probably the mountains because, I don't know, I feel like there's a lot of other ways to get there. So, um, and that's, yeah, definitely like having that escape is important. If I, if I like had my dream bike, but then couldn't go to my favorite destination, it probably wouldn't be as fun. Yeah, sure. That's fair enough. And then, well, okay. You can have a nice shiny new truck or you can have a glide. (laughs) I'd probably take the truck only because I feel like I'm maxed out on bikes right now. I have four and I don't know where I'd put it, but if I had a brand new truck, I could probably take all my bikes somewhere. Okay, that's a fair. Enough. That's fair enough. What bikes have you got in the garage at the minute, then? So I have my Lowrider S. I have the Sportster. Um, I have a FE 350S, which is a Husqvarna dual sport okay. plated dual sport 350cc bike. Uh, and then I have a pit bike that I don't ride often, but I refuse to get rid of it because when you have it and you have the opportunity to take it somewhere and ride it. It's the most fun thing ever. So it's just like a 110 CC, easy to ride kind of pit bike and you can throw it in the back of your truck. And we have some open spaces here. So sometimes some friends will be like, let's go take the pit bikes over there and just do donuts or something. Um, So it's like, I don't need it anymore. It kind of takes up space, but I refuse to sell it. Yeah, that's it's one of those things you just can't get rid of. <laughs> yeah, I, I got like a killer deal on it, and they're actually worth a lot of money now because um, I don't know. I guess during COVID, like kids started doing that again, and I was like, I probably could have sold it and made some decent money, but I'm not gonna find another one. So for that deal, so I'm just gonna keep this one for yeah. uh, however long. Yeah, that's fair enough. So Taylor, just to wrap things up, then I want to ask you one more question. If you could go back in time and ask and, and see yourself when you first started riding and give yourself like one piece of advice, what would it be? Oh, um, probably why did you wait so long? Um, I didn't get into riding on the street in, until probably about four years ago. And it's something I always thought was really interesting. And I thought like, oh, like, look at those cool girls. Like they're they're badasses. Like, that's cool. And, and I rode dirt bikes, which is rad. And I had my friends that did it, but I always, I, I could have done both for so long. My dad had street bikes when I was younger. Um, he did it. There was no reason I couldn't have. Um, and so, and, and I rode with him on the street, but as far as like taking trips and having my own bike and like taking the initiative to go the places that I wanted to go, um, was I don't know why I didn't do that sooner. I think so many people, uh, I get comments all the time that are like, wow, like I wish I could take a trip like that or that's so pretty, one day I'll go there. And it's like, don't don't say that, like just go. There's, take the time off work, the job will be there when you get back. Like the money you're gonna spend on the trip is gonna be worth it. Like the more you put it off, like the more it's, you're just not gonna do it eventually. And so I think that, that during COVID, um, you know, looking back on my first two years of riding, I didn't take any trips. I rode to local spots around here, but I always wanted to. I wanted to go moto camping. I wanted to get out of the state of California. And then COVID happened and I was like, well, I have absolutely no excuses. I can do these things now. And I did them. And I was just like, wow, I should have done this years ago or when I first started riding because this is what I truly love is like being able to get out like this and do, I'm not an around town rider. I don't commute on my bike. 
it's not my thing. I bought a motorcycle to travel on it. And I don't know why I waited so long to actually start traveling on it. So um, yeah, like don't, don't wait and like do the things that you want to do, like regardless of what people think, like if you have a friend that's like, you want to go on a cross country trip? Like, do you think that's safe? Like, do you think you can actually do that? Like, yeah, it's 100, like you can 100% do it. And and I think that's a, the mentality that I hear from a lot of people is like, I really want to do that trip, but I don't have anyone that'll go with me. Go by yourself. Like, yeah. just go. And like, chances are like a friend will hop in last minute or you'll meet someone cool along the way or something. But yeah, kind of like if there are certain trips or places you want to go, like make it a priority. Yeah, for sure. That's solid advice. I love that. Well, Taylor, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been yeah. really good hearing all your stories and all your knowledge and everything. And, and you know, I love, I would love to come on a babes, fast babes ride one day. Yeah. Yeah. We'll have to get you out here. Like Maggie's a huge part of, of fast babes and she contributes a lot of her skills and talents to it because she knows that I don't have a huge budget to do things and she, she we align with a lot of the same goals and and um and so like that's like the most important thing about fast babes is I feel like it's really brought together a core group of really rad women that have a similar mindset and yeah it would be so rad because I feel like you would just like fit in and we'd have the best time but um yeah, yeah it's we, we do some super fun stuff we have a camp out in April um, it's, it's close to here. Uh, it's, it's off like near Palomar mountain, which is cl- like a really well-known riding destination here. Um, there's cabins and tent camping and everything. And so I'm excited for that because a lot of those girls come out and then the newer girls meet them. And then it's just like the circle gets bigger and bigger and bigger, but I would love if you were able to come one day. Yeah, 100%. It's on my list of things to do. So yeah. <laughs> you'll see me out there eventually. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks again, and uh, we'll keep in touch for sure. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Biker Chick Chat. If you enjoyed it, please don't forget to give it a thumbs up, subscribe, like, follow, comment, all that jazz. And if you'd like to see more from myself and Taylor, I'll add our links down into the description below. Don't forget to check out her Fast Babes website as well. And I will look forward to seeing you on the next one.